Hey, really glad that you're here. And uh, we finished up a series last week called Blind Spots, and you can catch all that online. My name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are kind of launching into a couple weeks here of just some individual stuff that we're going to do. And then Christmas is going to be here before we know it. Isn't that exciting? I love Christmas. It's my favorite time. You can clap for Christmas. That's a favorite time of year. So, um... So Christmas is going to be awesome, and if you want, later on tonight, uh, or if you get bored during the sermon, um, you can text the word Christmas to our phone number, and you will get information about everything that's happening with that. So that's 520-300-9001, and tonight we have a hot seat. Oh, my kind of, yeah. <laughs> so tonight we've got a little bit of a hot seat. I'm going to keep talking while he's fixing that. But um, we have some things that I want you to think about. There's some slogans that companies have used for a really long time. How many of you feel like you've watched commercials and you feel like you know slogans of companies, right? How many? Raise your hand. Okay, you feel like maybe you know a little bit of it. Maybe you feel like you don't know. Thank you, Brian. Um, Kind of, maybe, sort of. If I don't want to use that one. Okay. All right. I'll use that one. Thank you. And better. Better. Okay. Now, um, I have a tail. There we go. Okay. Hot seat. What we got? So I'm going to show you some companies, and you have to tell me the slogan. Does that make sense? It's easy. Um, in fact, go ahead and meet your neighbor. Just say hey to the person next to you. So, so hey. Because you can play with a friend. It's okay. Um So I want you to think about slogans, and I think we're ready for the first one. We ready? Okay. What's the slogan for this company? Bonus points if you sing it. I'm loving it. Okay. Justin Timberlake actually sings that jingle. News you didn't know. Okay. So that's a slogan, right? Okay, next one. This is for the guys in the room. The ultimate driving machine. Well done. Beamer. Okay, next one. If you can find us, we can help. Is that, is that how it goes? If you can find us, we can help? No, I don't think that's how it. If, yeah, you can do it. We'll watch. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you can do it. We can help. Okay, so we got that slogan. Okay, perfect. All right, next. Anyone know? Save money, live better. That's the slogan. Okay, we just got a couple more. You know, how many of you feel like you're... What? Okay, just do it. Those athletes, you know. Okay, um, just because university is sponsored by Nike. Um, all right, now, before we go to the next one, how many of you feel like you're... It's pass-fail. You feel like you're passing? How many of you feel like a failure right now? Okay, awesome. Uh, we love you. Jesus loves you more. Perfect. Okay, next. We're your hands? No, we're not your hands. We're in good hands. Okay, we're in good hands. Yes. Keep your hands to yourself. Okay. Next. Old one. People over 40. We can get this team. Takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Okay, good job. I think there's like one or two more. All right. Next. Oh. For those of you who are over, like, 45, this is PlayStation. Um, ha-ha. 
We're used to Sega Genesis. I, mean, I put myself in that category. Uh, play in, let's see, live in your world, play in ours. I think that's how the slogan goes. Okay, and last one. This is just because we have a couple people that work there. What is it? This is like the longest slogan possible, and everyone should know this because they say everyone knows that. Is uh, 15 minutes can save you 15% in your car insurance. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, perfect. Now you've gone to church and learned about companies. Fantastic. Slogans are catchy with us. Oh, look, I'm back. Hi. Oh, we're going to try this now. Okay. And poor Brian. Sorry. Is it good? Yeah. It was, it was a good job. So. so that's slogans. You can give him a hand, I think. Thank you, sir. Is it better? Okay. Oh, that is better. Everyone sigh with me. Ah, okay, that's better. Perfect. Slogans have a, a catchiness to them, but they don't have a great depth to them. Meaning, I can have a slogan, and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And here's where we're going tonight. Is that this, this life that Jesus calls us to, this is where we call the big hinge point, where we actually make this make sense, okay? The life that Christ calls us to is not a life of living out a slogan. It's a life of living on mission. See, slogans are catchy, and they're a good thing, and they're not a bad thing at all. In fact, we kind of had a slogan before we launched out of Pantano and moved to Midtown and kind of became our own church. We said, hey, we want to bring the hope of Jesus to the heart of the city. We talked about that a lot, and that's a nice slogan. But that's not only what we want to do. It's not just what we want to do. We want to be a part of something so much bigger, and that's where mission comes in. Mission is so much more than just a catchy slogan. And each one of these companies, they have a mission, uh, I guess ultimately bottom line to get you to buy stuff. But they have a mission statement that says, here's how we're going to live this culture of our company out. Here's how we're going to judge things. We're going to base things against this. And I want you to know that we as a church have a mission. You've heard us talk about it a little bit. And tonight I want us to kind of drill down on that a little bit. And I want to kind of create an environment where we have uh, can maybe, in a little bit of an educational way, understand our mission on another level. So just as we've been at this for about 10 months now, uh, as a full-fledged church out on our own, we have a mission to move the mission of Jesus forward through the local church. And I want to look at what our mission is. We've said this, hopefully you know it. Uh, it's about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. Everything Element City Church does, uh, says yes to, or says no to, is all centered back to that mission, which is more than a slogan. It's a mission to say this is the lens of which we're going to evaluate everything that we do, the culture that we create, the kind of people that we want to become, the kind of environment uh, that we want to kind of create, the kind of things that we're going to say yes to, and the things that we're going to say no to. It's kind of filtered around this mission. We are all about inviting people into a, a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. We want to invite people into first steps of faith in Christ and next steps in faith with Christ. That's what we're about. And I know for some of you, okay, that makes sense, preacher dude. Uh, that that's, makes sense, and, and are we done now? And no, um, because I haven't talked long enough. Um, 
But I want us to kind of go on a journey tonight through a couple different passages that, as I've been thinking through this and, and praying and discussing with Brian and a few others, of just some key passages that will kind of be the heartbeat for Element City Church for a few years to come. Uh, I want us to kind of drill down into a couple passages. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 4. Uh, if you have version, you can follow along. All the sermon notes and things are in there. We want to be a church that gathers to corporately worship like we do every single Sunday. We want to gather to kind of be fueled up and filled up uh, with the words of Christ and what the Scripture has to say about life. And we want to scatter to go be the church. It's not just, this is not just church, okay? This is a group of gathering of people who happen to attend a church, but we are to go be the church outside. So if you're here tonight, and maybe you're kind of coming back to the whole church scene, and I want to welcome you here. I know it takes guts coming to a new place, and I, I trust that maybe the person that leveraged some of their relational, uh, relational income, so to speak, and said, hey, would you just come with me? Um, I, I hope that you have a great time tonight. And I hope that somewhere in here, God kind of whispers into your heart that lets you know that he actually knows your name. He's dialed into your life. As we look at this mission of the church, and in particular, the mission of our church, and what we're to be about. Now, in Luke chapter 4, it's a fascinating. Luke is a, a doctor who is writing a gospel account about the life of Jesus. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four gospel accounts that tell us about the life of Jesus. His life, his birth, his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. Okay, the kind of autobiography somewhat like that in the sense that it's a biography about Jesus. And it's written by people who traveled life with him, investigated life with him. And the Holy Spirit led them to write these four gospel accounts that we may know. In fact, the end of the Gospel of John says, All these things are recorded that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God. And by knowing, you may have life. There's lots of other things that didn't make it in here, but these are here that you may know. And so these gospel accounts are a really big deal. And if you're new to the Bible... If you're kind of just starting a journey with Jesus, here's what I would say. Read the Gospels, because they talk about the life of Jesus, and it's a simple way to kind of go back. If you've been traveling uh, your religious journey for a long time, your relationship with Christ, and maybe it's been a while since you read a Gospel account, I, I just challenge you to, to go back and pick one and read through it, because it centers you back to the person of Jesus. And that's what I want us to look at tonight. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus has been traveling around teaching for a while, doing a lot of different miracles, and he ends up coming back to kind of his region of town where he grew up, okay? And he comes back and he goes to the synagogue there, and as was tradition, traveling rabbis might come through and they would teach, and they would be handed a scroll. They would read from that. That's how their church service would go, so to speak. The rabbi would stand, they would read this, they would sit down, and then they would teach the people. And here is what we begin to see as Jesus goes back to this town, uh, and here in Galilee, and here in Nazareth, he's handed the scroll of Isaiah, and here's what we begin to pick up. So verse uh, 16, when he went to Nazareth, uh, he'd been brought up, he's on the Sabbath day, he went, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, he unrolled it, and he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of Yahweh is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, typically, rabbis would probably read a much longer uh, text of Scripture 
Jesus reads these words. I just want you to hear them again. If it helps you close your eyes, just listen to this, okay? Jesus is reading these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll, the scripture goes on, gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were focused and fastened on him. And he began by saying this to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What's fascinating about this, this proclamation that Jesus makes, is this is a proclamation over everyone, over anyone. I'm here, he says, not with a catchy slogan. I'm here on a mission. And my mission is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to those who are struggling with sight, to see what's actually significant and what really matters in life. I'm here that they may see. I'm here for the people who are struggling in life, who are stuck in a place where they feel like there's no chance for them to move up, no chance for them to break out of the funk that they're in. I'm here that the oppressed might be freed. I'm here that those who are caught in a prison of whatever addiction or whatever prison they may have created by their choices or their unchoices or choices that were done on them, that they might experience freedom. This is a mission that Jesus proclaims loud and bold and proud in this moment to these people. Today, in, this, in your hearing, these words have been fulfilled. Now, what's fascinating about this is they kind of argue a little bit. We won't necessarily get into that part of the story because they begin questioning. Hey, wait, we watched this guy grow up. This is Jesus. And they actually begin to question. In fact, they get so riled up that they take him to the edge of the city to throw him off the cliff. That's a bad sermon. If you all were to rally against me, take me out in the parking lot and get ready to throw me over a cliff. Now, I'm not Jesus, so I can't walk through you like he does. He does the Jedi Jesus thing. You will not throw me off the cliff. And just walks right through the crowd. Awesome. That would be cool to have. But Jesus makes this proclamation. And then you roll on into Luke chapter 5. And Jesus makes this proclamation for everyone. And he begins making this invitation for each one. And see, the mission of the church is to be a bullhorn, so to speak, that heralds the message and the mission of Jesus in this world. Not in a way that's in a bullying way that is trying to shout over people, but is simply proclaiming that the year of the Lord's favor, that life with God is available to any and to all who will receive it, who will turn in his direction. And the mission of the church is not just a catchy slogan that things get said or things are, are talked about. The church in a lot of ways, is a hospital for the hurting. It's a spiritual hospital for the hurting. It's, it, it's put together in a way where the group of people can gather because they realize in some way, shape, or form, I'm one of those. I'm one of those who's oppressed. I'm one of those who's struggling. I'm one of those who is stranded. I'm one of those who is blind. I'm one of those who needs a rescue, not just a self-help plan. I've tried that. 
I've run on that treadmill, and it didn't get me very far. It just got me tired, it got me burnt out, and it got me want to quit. And the message of Jesus is not a, a slogan, it's a mission that he extends to the church today. And he says to his church, I'm going to build my church. The church is a movement, right? It's a group of people who are rallied together to say, we're about following this guy, Jesus, the best we know how in the moment we're in. And I may not know everything. In fact, I've got a lot of questions. In fact, if you're here and you're spiritually searching and maybe coming back to church, this is a great night to be here. And you are surrounded by people who have discovered something, but who are still discovering In a lot of ways, we don't have all our questions answered, but we have maybe the question answered. And here's what we know. This Jesus is what the Gospel of John talks about. He really is the Son of God. He really is. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a guy who had good moral thoughts. He's way more than that. And he proclaims something. That he was the way, the truth, and the life. That those who look to him can have life with God. And that it isn't up to you and your goodness and to your effort. It's simply saying the church is to, to, to herald this news. This is good news. It's not good advice. It's good news. Which we all need good news. We don't need good advice because that means it's up to you, right? Good news is, hey, here's money. That's good news, right? It's a free gift. That's the spiritual life of following Jesus. This is good news. It's grace and hope and forgiveness to you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's simply available. That's the proclamation that Jesus in this moment gives to everyone. The church is a hospital for the hurting. It's to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can you imagine why people were attracted to Jesus? It's funny. You look at people who have a lot of angst against the church, right? Capital C Church. A lot of people in our culture have a lot of angst against it. And in some ways, they have some ammo for it. They have some truth there. But if you ask people about Jesus, there was something about Jesus that people who were so unlike Jesus actually liked Jesus. And the crazy thing is that Jesus actually liked people who were not like him. And I wonder if that could be said about the church, our church, the slice of the kingdom that we've been given to tend and to make a difference here in Midtown. Would people say about Element City Church and about your life and about my life that I like you? Even if I don't understand or maybe don't agree or maybe trying to figure it out, that I actually you're approachable and you're likable. That's what attracted people to Jesus. He makes this proclamation that's for everyone. And then he begins slowly through the rest of the Gospel of Luke and through the other Gospel accounts as well to take that from this global proclamation to this individual invitation. In fact, at Luke chapter 5, what you'll do is you'll find a guy who's sitting on a chair. It's interesting, toward the tail end of Luke chapter 5, his name is Matthew, right? You can read his account in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew actually writes one of the gospel accounts of Jesus. The Holy Spirit says, Matthew, you got such a great story. We're going to use it. We're going to put it down. So for people for thousands of years, will read about your story. But the story starts here in a chair. Matthew's here, right? 
And Matthew is a tax collector. Now, for some of you, uh, any CPAs in the room? For some of you, you kind of understand that world. Sorry, rest of us were like, we don't like that world. Um, so here's why you don't like that world. Because in a lot of ways, it's people messing with things that you've earned, right? Things that you've worked for. Well, that's Matthew in his chair. What you have to understand about the world of Rome and how things worked back in the first century is that Rome would conquer territories, right? And then they would sell the rights to certain people in order to collect the taxes for Rome in that particular region, in that particular territory. So in this particular territory where Matthew lived, someone paid the money to Rome to own the right to collect taxes from the people. Then they would go in and they would hire people from within that region to run these tax collector booths where this chair would reside. And Matthew steps up for a job. Now, what's interesting about Matthew is that he's Jewish, which should tell you something right off the bat. Somewhere along the way, for Matthew, he got burnt out on this religious pursuit of trying to work his way to God. And somewhere along the way, whether he got hurt by the church or whether he just got tired of trying to work his way to God, he got fed up and he quit and he turned his back, maybe on God, turned his back on his own people. These are his people that he is now stepping into a job to collect taxes from his people. It's kind of like this pyramid scheme, right? One guy has the rights to all the tax collector, you know, taxes, and he's going to pass a little bit on to Rome, but he's got to hire some minions to collect it, and those minions work, and they can actually create a surcharge. There's lots of taxes that go on. There's taxes to bridges and to ports, to bread, to produce, to uh, property, to income that you'd have, and so you could almost even begin to create taxes. Do you think you won a lot of friends? Do you think people lined up to hang out with Matthew? Probably not. In fact, when you read the gospel accounts and you'll read through stories, they had classifications for sin, much like we do today, if we're honest. We rank sin, don't we? Well, that person lied. They're here. That person, well, they cheat. They're here. That per- we kind of rank them, right? Don't you? deep in your own heart, in your own gut, you you do that, right? Maybe we shouldn't because sin is sin, and that's what God calls it. But we kind of have a tendency to do that. In In the first century world, people looked at people like Matthew, who sat in that chair, and there was a category for that. In fact, the category was called tax collectors. And when you read through the gospel accounts, here's what you'll read. Jesus was loved by sinners, and then tax collectors. Like, it's a whole nother level, right? Of brokenness, of messed up stuff, of just things that that should not be. They classified tax collectors even worse than just your modern day sinner, right? They would say, they're worse than. And that's the chair that Matthew sits in. And so here's Matthew in Luke chapter 5. And he's collecting all these taxes. So Jesus in Luke 4 stands up and makes this proclamation that is for everyone. I'm here that you may know it's the year of the Lord's favor. It's this proclamation for everyone. Now it's an invitation for each one. And so Jesus is walking by one day. And he sees old Matthew at the tax collector booth. 
Could you imagine Peter, James, and John behind Jesus? They're probably like, oh, there's that Matthew. He's so bad. Bad, 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 bad. I don't know what his parents think. I know what I think. Jesus walks up to Matthew. And here's what he says. Verse 27, you can read it. Walks up to Matthew and he says to the tax collector booth, and he says, Matthew, why don't you follow me? Be my disciple. Can you imagine the tension in that moment? Not in Jesus, but behind Jesus. Remember James, John, Peter? What'd they do? They gave up a legitimate fishing business, right? Like, this is a legitimate fishing business that they gave up, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa Jesus! <laughs> hey! Um, <clears throat> what you doing? Well, I'm inviting Matthew to kind of hang out with us, be a part of our group. Jesus, do you know who Matthew is? Uh, do you know what he does in our community? Like, I don't mean to second guess you, but I am. Um, because, like, we gave up a legitimate fishing business. We worked hard. He's actually cheating people out of the money. In fact, he's not on anyone's Christmas party list, okay? He's on a naughty list, okay? Really bad. Really bad, Jesus. If you invite him to hang out with us, that means, like, that means, like, we have to hang out with Matthew. And I don't know if that's going to be okay. I don't know if I want to do that. And, and I just imagine Jesus kind of looking at Peter, James, and John, and the others, and like, it's all right. It's all right. Matthew, do you want to come hang out with me? Just come follow me. I imagine the tension for Peter, James, and John. As they look at Jesus, maybe they start to say, Jesus, would you just read him a list? I mean, there's got to be a list of all the things that he does wrong. And for some of you, when it comes to this whole idea of a spiritual journey, you wait in this shame of just waiting for God to read a list over you. Here's all the things that you've done wrong. Here's all the disappointments. Here's all the shame. Here's all the ways that you've detoured away from your life. Here's all the ways that you've veered off from what I designed and desire for you. And maybe that's how you live your whole life, is in that shadow and that shock, that, in that bracing for the, the kind of the hammer to be dropped a little bit for you. And I wonder if that's how Matthew felt. But Jesus didn't do any of that. In fact, it's fascinating to me, reading through it even this week. Jesus never says to Matthew, clean up your act and then come follow me, does he? What's his invitation? It's a proclamation for everyone. The year of the Lord's favor is here. Life with God is available. You can have it. Now, Matthew, here's an individual invitation. You just come follow me. Now, if anyone who walked the planet, who could have stepped into Matthew's space in that moment and said, Matthew, here's your list. Here's your list of all the things that you've done wrong, all the shame. And Jesus would have been exactly right, wouldn't he? But listen, friends. Jesus didn't come to be exactly right. Jesus came to this planet to be followed. Because as he's followed, 
He gets to explain what the Father is really like. And as we get to see what the Father is really like, we get the opportunity to connect with him through, through Jesus. That's the point. That's the mission that Jesus set into place a long time ago. That's the mission that he hands off to the local church to say, you are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You're to invite individual people, wherever they are, to come be a part and just follow. Jesus figured something out. That proximity to him actually pulls us away from sin. The closer I get to Jesus, the further away from the other stuff that pulls me away from him I get. That's why Jesus' invitation is so simple, yet so challenging and yet so profound. You just come follow me. For every one of us, maybe you're a follower of Jesus already. You, you came to a place in your life where you said, you know what, I want to trust my life to Jesus. I want to take that first step into faith with him. Every single one of us has a next step of faith with him. And all along the way, every single day that you wake up, Jesus is simply giving this invitation. It's Monday. Will you follow me? Hey, it's Wednesday now. Will you follow me? Will you just take your next step in that? I'm not asking you to let go of anything. I'm not asking you to change anything. I'm not asking you to do anything other than just take a step toward me. That's Jesus' invitation all throughout the scriptures. And for some of us, we look at those words, follow me, and we go, gosh, that seems so simple. Can it really be that simple? I think so. I think sometimes in the church we try to make it way too complicated. We try to expand on so many different things. And Jesus shows up into Matthew's life and he says, Matthew, just follow me. And somewhere in there, Matthew pushed back his chair and he said yes. And he was still broken and he was still bad and he was still all those other things and labels you want to put to him. But he had a bigger label in that moment follower of Jesus. I'm just trying to take my next step. Now, what's interesting is what happens next. If you didn't know the rest of the story, you might say, well, maybe Jesus put him in a small group right away, right? Maybe uh, Peter and James and John are like, hey, let's follow Jesus behind the woodshed, okay? She's going to beat some, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, We would probably fill in that story a different way, but the scripture actually tells us what happens next. What happens next is Matthew ends up going to his house and Jesus follows him to his house, which should irritate you because Matthew isn't following Jesus. Jesus is following Matthew to where Matthew feels comfortable. And Matthew throws this party. Who do you think shows up to the party? The same people that show up to your party. People that like you, people that you hang out with, people that sort of kind of remember the first part of your last party and then kind of did some things and then were like told their party was awesome. And so they decided to come back for another part of the party at your house because you threw that party. And so now you have all these people who are showing up and it's probably not the crim de crim of the property of everything that's going on in the city, right? It's not the top echelon. It's other sinners. And what did we say the other category was? Tax collectors, probably his buddies, right? They show up. What's fascinating is you go on, you kind of read this story. Um, Jesus says, come follow me. Then it goes to verse 29. Then Levi, who is Matthew there, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. 
and a large crowd of, there it is, tax collectors and other sinners were eating with him. They were at this party having a banquet. And the Pharisees, the religious dudes of the day, the ones who tried to work really hard to obey God and to get right with God and to work and having this life with God and trying to figure this out on their own and obey the things that they thought were going to actually bring them closer. And they look in at this scene and they go, this is wrong. Jesus shouldn't be liking the party. But see, what's fascinating is when you read the gospel accounts is that people that were so unlike Jesus actually liked Jesus. And Jesus actually liked people who were very much unlike him. Why? Because Jesus didn't live by a slogan. Jesus lived on mission. And the mission is everybody. It's the year of the Lord's favor. And to each somebody, there's an invitation. Would you just come follow me? Just come follow me. The Pharisees make these statements about things that are happening in the verse uh, 20. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I have come to not call the righteous, those who think they can figure it out on their own. I've come to call people who know they need repentance. They need a different way. Repentance is this idea in Greek of metanous. It's this idea of change by way of the mind. It's people who sit in Matthew's chair who go, I just, I'm tired, I can't figure it out, and I just gave up. Or I just chose to do something different. It's people who get stuck in life. It's people who get to the place where they say something's not right. And I don't know how to fix it anymore. And it's to those individuals that Jesus shows up and says, Would you just follow me? And they can have that moment to choose, to say. And and I think his invitation, so it's this proclamation to everyone, and it's this invitation to each someone. That's the role of the church, inviting people into this life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. Would you just come follow him? And I want to give you three kind of concentric circles that this affects real quickly here. One is it starts with you. It starts with you. Jesus' invitation is to you. Would you follow him? Will you follow him? For some of you, uh, maybe you've never come to a place where you've said, you know what, I'm tired of living life on my own, and I want to entrust my life and kind of the leadership of my life and where I'm going to this guy, Jesus. And if that's you, then tonight might be your night. And I'd love to talk with you about that. For others of you, you've been walking with God for a long time. But maybe, uh, like me at times, you can wake up in the, in the, in the morning and go, yeah, I'm going to live this life uh, my way today. And Jesus, in that moment, every morning, it's an invitation to you. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? So it always starts with you. The next circle is this friends and family. Kind of the, think of a friends and family plan, right? It's the people that are closest to you. And the invitation for us as the church is to say to our friends and family, people we're connected with, I'm following after Jesus the best way I know how, and here's how it's changing my life. Would you be interested? And maybe finding out a little bit more about him. I'm reminded in John chapter 1, uh, Philip and, and Nathan. Philip uh, discovers Jesus and he's with some other guys. And he, he begins to see and investigate who Jesus is. And he says, this is the guy that the Old Testament, that Moses and the prophets are talking about. And he goes to his buddy Nathan. And he says, I found the one 
that the scriptures speak of. And Nathan's full of questions. No way. That's impossible. It can't happen. And he's got all these doubts, right? And what does Philip say? He doesn't have an argument for him. He doesn't whip out uh, you know, a Josh McDowell book and hand it to him. He simply says, would you just come and see? Would you just come and see? Come and see for yourself. Here's what I've discovered. Would you just come and see for yourself? And friends, that's the role of the church, is to move the movement of Jesus forward. It starts with you. Will you follow him? And then it goes out to the circle of your friends and your family, people you're connected to, and the invitation that we are to herald. Not just live about in our actions, but literally say, would you just come and see? Would you just come and see? We're coming up on Christmas. What a great time to invite someone to say, would you just come and see? Just come with me. Just come and see. And then we get to do this to this third circle, this watching world. It's you, it's your friends and family, people you're connected to, and it's this watching world. Friends, I'm so proud of you as a church and how you have been living out the gospel and the good news and the grace and the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus in practical, tangible ways and how we've done that with John B. Wright Elementary School and how we've done that here in Catalina, how we've done that with Habitat for Humanity and Teen Challenge and a few other places that we're just serving and putting, we're kind of being Jesus with skin on for people to actually see that the love of God motivates people to do stuff locally here. And now we stand at this opportunity I told you about last week, that this December, we always give away 20% of what comes in in December as a gift. And what we're partnering with, with Pantano uh, Christian Church, with Move City Church, is to plant a church in Ecuador through Stadia and Compassion International to say, we're going to sponsor a church in the Playa Canton uh, region in the southern part of Ecuador to plant a church in a group of people that's about 10,000-ish uh, 10, people in the surrounding region that doesn't have a church there. And we're going to end up sponsoring a couple hundred kids between those three churches. And we're going to end up taking trips down there to see this church grow over the next decade, just like we're trying to grow here. That we're going to do things locally, and now we get to do something globally together to move the movement of Jesus forward here in our city and in Ecuador too. And that we're going to have hopefully expressions of that all over the world down the road. I'd love to see us be a church that does that because we are the people who are to herald the proclamation for everyone. This is the year of the Lord's favor. It's an opportunity. Life with God is available. Forgiveness through him, his grace, his hope can invade your life. It's right here. It's at hand. And it's for the individual somebodies that we know who are in a chair that we have a connection with and to a watching world that's seeing that on display, that we get to live this out. Maybe here's what I wrote, kind of the bottom line of this whole thing, is to say it's not about our religious activity for God. It's about our relational proximity to Jesus. That's the point of following him. It's not about all the religious activity. It's about my relational proximity to Jesus. You come follow me. It's not what you're doing, it's who you're following. So here's the invitation for you this week, real simple. It's real simple. I challenge you to wake up each day and with a real simple prayer. God, this is your Monday. Would you help me to follow you on your Monday? God, this is your Tuesday. Would you help me to follow you this Tuesday? 
the best I know how in the moment I'm in. I want to be a person who follows you. And would you open up opportunities in my friends and family and to a watching world around me, to the people I'm connected with, for me to simply invite to come and see. Just as you invited me a long time ago through someone else, that I want to be a person that invites someone else to come be a part of what I'm experiencing. And so we're going to continue on in worship in a moment. If you're kind of new, uh, we teach for a little bit. We're going to come back and worship. We're going to move into a time of communion here in a moment. And you're going to have an opportunity, if you're a follower of Christ, to receive communion. There's a couple stations in the middle, a couple stations down here. We have gluten-free bread down here for those of you. Um, and um, I'm going to give you some space this week, real simple, uh, in this time and the next couple of worship songs, just to simply pray. God, would you show me someone who is in a chair near me, that the truth is they feel far from God. They feel like God would never walk up to them, would never notice them, would never invite them to do anything. And God, through me, I think you're wanting to invite them into potential life with you and whatever that may look like. And they may say no, but it's my job to invite. What may that look like? for someone that God's put on your heart. And so uh, let me pray for that end as our worship team comes, and we'll move on to communion, a couple worship songs here. And so, Father, I pray that we would continue to learn, to grow, to be a church that's inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. God, that's what we want to be about. Helping people take first steps and next steps in their faith journey with you. Father, for any who are here tonight who have never gotten to a place where they've accepted Jesus Christ and kind of take that first step of faith with you, I pray that maybe tonight would be the night that they reach out and they would talk to someone who brought them. They would talk to to one of us here at Elements and say, I think I want to do that. I don't even know what it means yet, but I think I want to. And God, for each one of us who's been on that journey with you, I pray that we would make uh, two decisions this week. One, each day we just say, God, this is your day. And I want to follow you. That we'd work on our proximity to you, not just the projects we do for you. That our heart would be close to you, Jesus. And that you would make us a people that's continually inviting those who are sitting in a chair nearby. Who don't feel like your embrace or your glance would ever go their way. That we'd be people who invite. Because we were invited. So, Father, we thank you for... uh, the Lord's Supper. We thank you for what it represents in the life, the brokenness, the body, the bloodshed on our behalf, that we might have life with you. That was our invitation. Jesus lived on mission all the way to the cross and through it, that I might have life with you. We thank you for that. We remember and we worship you in song.